0: And welcome, everybody, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world, Persuasion School. Hey, guys, my name is Jake Savage, and if this is your first time, I am so glad to have you. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, quick background on me. You can first learn on whatever platform you're listening to. There should be a bio there where you can read up on why I do this podcast and uh my my life history basically. But quick snapshot here. If you don't feel like reading that, I'm a former door-to-door salesman, knocked on about a hundred thousand doors over the course of several years, and then I transitioned into a sales startup where my role there was to build and train a team of salespeople around the nation. I was the president there for the last three years before Deciding to start my own consulting business, I've really wanted to jump in on the fight, the good fight, fight the good fight against human trafficking. So now I leverage corporate sales methods to help nonprofit fundraising teams win bigger donations. And that has been an awesome journey. I'm about four months in really great feeling just to be able to pursue your calling. I highly recommend that people. you should you should pursue your calling. So I do that, and then, of course, through this podcast, we teach the masses how to get more of the things that you want in life. So we utilize these principles from the world of sales. So although I'm a sales guy, you don't have to be a salesperson to uh, to enjoy this podcast or glean anything from this podcast. It's for absolutely everybody. So we take principles from psychology, from neuroscience, a few, you know, I'm not a neuroscientist or anything, but we we take a few things. And then uh, from corporate sales and my experience over the past 15 years in, in sales. And we utilize these principles to help you get more of whatever it is that you want in life. Maybe it is a deal if you're in sales, or maybe it's a donation. If you're in the nonprofit world, win more donations, maybe it's get somebody to go out on a date with you. We've got a lot of people that uh, are listening because of that as they should. This is where you can come and increase your closing ratio of getting people to go on dates with you. Negotiate a raise. Also, wherever you're at, if you are a Persuasion School supporter, I would love for you to stop what you're doing, put your hands together, and clap it up for Sarah. Sarah is a pseudonym. Uh, She submitted a question for our Monday Q&A segment a few weeks back on how to negotiate a raise and she got it incredible work to you Sarah for going for it for being willing to have that conversation with your boss and then for making it happen i think that she deserved it and she seems like an incredibly hard worker so uh i'm not sure how much influence persuasion school had although she said it was still helpful so Yeah, if you want to negotiate a raise, this is the place to come. If you want to navigate a job interview with confidence and land the job, this is the place to come. If you want to just sell your ideas, one of the most important skills in life that anybody can have, the ability to influence other human beings to take action, this is again the place to come. So it's Monday, which means we've got Monday Q&A today. I'm going to read a question that's come through from the listeners and then uh, provide an answer to the best of my ability. Then we have two more shows during each week. Again, if you're new here, so Wednesday is Whiskey Wednesday, very informal. My wife and I try a different whiskey every Wednesday, and she'll ask me usually a question about my life, or maybe it's a story. And if possible, we tie it into persuasive communication. Oftentimes, it's not possible. If you listen to any of those stories, you realize why. And then Thursday, that's kind of the bread and butter. So, Thursday, I have put together a lesson on a topic about how to become a more effective communicator or how to be more persuasive. That's based on, again, those things, uh, psychology, neuroscience, and corporate sales methods. Or maybe I've interviewed somebody awesome and we, we interview them about how they negotiate, how they communicate effectively, how they influence others. So that, those are a lot of fun. But that's that's what, the, uh, that's what the week looks like. All right. So go ahead and jumping into today. Did want to make sure that we gave Sarah that praise for locking in the raise. She's a Persuasion School listener, so we've got to, got to support the community here. That's incredible. And so we've got a question today from a guy named Julian. And Julian actually took some time to put together a series of questions we will go through. We'll try to get through all of his over the next few weeks. They're really great questions that I think everybody, they're, they're going to be able to resonate with with each person, I would assume at least. And so today I definitely think that this is important, whether it's an in-person meeting or over Zoom. But the question is, how should I dress in sales and does it matter? And I want to adapt this question for the masses too. So why don't we just go ahead and say that the question is, how do I dress when it comes to influencing others and does that matter? All right. So that's, that's kind of how it will be applicable to all of us here. How do I dress when it comes to persuading others? doesn't matter. Absolutely, it does matter. I wholeheartedly believe this. Now, I know there will be some of you that say, well, they should accept me for who I am. And I should be at liberty to wear whatever I want to wear to these meetings. And if I am trying to get somebody to go on a date with me, I want them to appreciate me for me. And that includes my style. And if I'm going to build a partnership with somebody and try to get them to buy into whatever it is that I'm I'm selling or pitching or offering. They should take me from it. I get it, I get it, I get it. I love that the the fact that you want to be an individual and be appreciated for who you are. I want the same thing. I truly do. But there are a couple reasons why dress is important, regardless of how you feel. Conscious reasons and then subconscious reasons. So I'll go through both. But I do want Julian and anybody else that has this question, Hey, does it matter how I dress? I do want you all to know that I have struggled with this personally for, I I mean, I, I did struggle with this personally at first trying to figure this out because I, I've got a whole arm covered in tattoos. I love artwork. It's in my family. Uh, I'm the least artistic of everybody in my family, but, uh, I'm the one I guess that's put the most art on their body so far. So, I have an entire arm uh, covered in a tattoo sleeve. Nowadays I have no piercings, but I went through a phase. You know, we all go through phases. I went through a phase where I wanted to try things out. So, I had gauges, I had a tongue ring, I had I had eyebrow pier. I mean, I just again, phase I wanted to test it out and uh didn't want anybody to tell me not to do it. So, I had to, had to try all these things. So, just uh just saying here that I I've 100% noticed The difference in how I dress or what my appearance is like when it comes to building a first impression with some building a good first impression with somebody else. And also whether or not they're going to truly internalize what I'm saying. And I'm saying this because in times where maybe I wear short sleeves and I'm having a conversation with somebody for the first time, somebody that does not know me, it is a pain to watch their eyeballs just go directly to the tattoo over and over. I want them to look at my my eyes or my face as I'm talking, especially if I'm saying something of importance. But I can see their eyes drifting to a particular place the entire time. So it is a distraction. Now, I only think that that is the case usually during first impressions. If somebody is meeting you for the first time and they do not know you, they are going to be trying to make an impression and trying to uh, come to a conclusion about who you are and whether or not they can trust you. So they're just looking for any visual cues for that, which is why I think those people would look at the tattoos. Now, once you have a relationship with somebody, you already have a partnership, they're already a client or whatever. I this I don't think that this matters nearly as much, but I know it's important in the beginning and that's really what I want to get into right now. So let's talk about on a conscious level, why, how you dress matters. First, there's somewhat of a rule of thumb that a lot of people subscribe to when it comes to persuasion, which is you want to dress at or slightly above the level, in terms of dress, at or slightly above the level of your stakeholder. And I I think that I would also subscribe to this. I think that this is fair. I think when it becomes a problem in terms of your dress is when there's too much of a gap on either side. If you are dressed up too much, and your stakeholder is you know they're just maybe business casual or even informal and you're you're full blown business you're going to create a bit of a barrier between the two of you first off, and also I think that this could affect the the balance of status, which if you've listened to the show for a while, you've heard me talk plenty about status and just to clarify again when i when I talk about status in the in the uh, context of persuasion here, I don't mean like in like some uh, existential status or rank or class or something like that. I'm talking about in the moment status. So because I believe that with these principles of persuasion, no matter how you do believe you stack up to another individual if they're above your weight class, so to speak, or whatever, these principles will work. They can, or otherwise, what's the point, right? They, they can be utilized to influence anybody to take action. But in the moment, In the middle of this conversation, status does exist. If your stakeholder feels as though they are of much higher status than you, then there's a good chance you may end up being treated like a doormat. If your stakeholder feels in the moment as though they are too low of a status compared to you, you may be perceived as overly dominant, neither of which will help you get what you want or help the stakeholder get what they want. Okay, so when you are when you are too dressed up relative to them this may th- this may lead for you to be perceived as too high of a status or overly dominant and they won't feel on a level level playing field with you now the same thing applies if you if you're too dressed down for the occasion whether this is over zoom or in person if the other person is business casual and you're just in kind of like a ratty t-shirt or something like that. And it's clear you didn't take the time. This may lead for them to be perceived that you're too low of status and that you're going to be treated like a doormat and you're not going to get anywhere. Right. You're not going to ultimately get what you want. So I think that earlier principle that I mentioned of dressing on their level or slightly above could be helpful to maintain an even balance of the status dynamic between you and your stakeholder. And it's also just going to encourage them to actually pay attention to the messaging versus wondering during the conversation why you chose to overly dress or why it seemed as though you were underprepared by dressing down too much. The focus will just be on the messaging, what's being discussed, the questions and answers, the questions being asked and the answers being provided throughout. All right, so that's that's really key. Also, I mean, respect is a huge deal. If you, if you show up too dressed down for a meeting with a stakeholder, I think that's going to convey a lack of respect because that's going to show that you did zero research on them as though it wasn't worth your time to look into them, see what type of individual they are, they are what their organization is like or what their company is like, and then try to show them enough respect to get on their level. I, I think you're conveying disrespect when you dress down too much. So just something to keep in mind there. All right, so that's conscious level. Now on a subconscious level, couple things going to mind. First, let me ask you guys this question. I want you to actually think of an answer as I ask this question. How long do you think it takes for others to make a first impression of us? Take a quick second. All right, I've asked this question many times uh, through workshops or whatever the case may be, and I hear a variety of answers. Some people nail it right on the money, but some people will say a few minutes, a day, Couple of days, or maybe it's a couple of hours, or something. Uh, and then some people will say a few seconds. So, Harvard has done studies on this, and the answer is on average four to five seconds for somebody to make a first impression of you. That's largely outside of their control, which is why I'm referring to the subconscious reasons for why dress matters. So, they might not be able to help some of the judgments and assessments that their subconscious mind is making about you. So the first impression is made in four seconds. Well, we all know we, we, don't, we can't gather enough information about another individual to make like a, a, an actual well-thought-out assessment of this other human being. That's not like a neocortex thing. This is purely an amygdala thing, like our croc brain, this caveman brain, deciding whether or not this person is safe to be around. Right. So that's four seconds. How about trustworthiness? If you had to guess how long it takes for somebody to judge whether or not you're trustworthy, what would your answer be? Again, I've heard a variety of responses for this one. Some people think it's much longer than a first impression. How can you actually tell if you can trust this person? Well, our subconscious brain is making that decision on our behalf in a tenth of a second. In a tenth of a second. And that is completely outside of our control. Again, it's not our newer computer brain, the neocortex, coming to conclusions using logic. This is purely our amygdala, the part of the brain that's uh, responsible for controlling that fight or flight. So in a tenth of a second, what cues are our brains picking up on in order to determine whether or not somebody else is trustworthy? It's largely dependent on their body language, but also their clothing. Clothing makes up for almost 95% of that first impression and trustworthiness. And so in terms of the controllables, one thing that we can do is to wear fitted clothing. Fitted clothing and then in terms of dress level, again, at or slightly above the level of your stakeholder. So psychological studies have been done on our ability to judge whether or not somebody else is trustworthy and what types of things our brains are looking for. And they found that when others are wearing fitted clothing, we will perceive them as more confident, more successful, higher income earners, and then oddly enough, flexible. So we'll we'll perceive how flexible somebody is based off of their clothing. So if I am going to try to influence somebody else to take action, I'm absolutely going to be mindful of my clothing because I know that their subconscious mind, something that they can't control, is the one in the driver's seat during this short period of time when it comes to first impressions, not their conscious mind. So when I think of dress and how I should be dressed when it comes to influencing somebody else or persuading somebody else, I am appealing to their subconscious mind. I do have faith that their conscious mind would be able to trust me and love me for who I am, tattoos and all. I do have faith in that. What I don't have faith in is their amygdala, because that's going to make, that's going to make the decision for them before they even have a chance to put together the rest of the information about me to make a logical conclusion and a logical first impression. So I'm I'm dressing to a P, This sounds crazy and, but honestly, this is, this is my answer. This is, this is what I think of. And this is how I operate when it comes to influencing somebody else. I'm dressing for the crock brain, dress for the crock brain, people. That's going to be our, uh, our slogan here is, uh, I guess dress for the crock brain, terrible slogan. But, um, anyways, maybe that won't be the slogan, but that's really what we're, what we're focusing on doing here. And then of course you can build a relationship with them after. And I've got you know clients that once they get to know me, I have no problem wearing short sleeves and maybe showing the tattoos afterward, because I don't think that they'll care. They'll, they'll have a strong and solid enough idea of who I am, especially if we're friends by this point, that a tattoo won't affect it. But it will affect, again, that croc brain. And so that's what I'm on the lookout for when it comes to dress. Lastly, one quick thing if you're, if you're speaking. Because I think this is very important when it comes to influencing others, if you're maybe leading a workshop, leading a webinar or it's uh, you know let let's say we move past covid if that's possible and we're we're giving public speeches again right, and public speaking is a thing. I also think that how you dress is important, and you might ask well how do i how do I figure out what to wear if there're going to be a hundred or you know a thousand people in the room fair. I still think that figuring out how to dress for the occasion is important. And depending on the audience, that's also going to impact how I dress. And, you know, maybe in those circumstances, I might wear short sleeves if they're there to listen to Jake in regards to persuasion school, because I'm going to just, they already have maybe a sense of who I am. So there's no point necessarily in trying to sort of dress up for that occasion. But, you know, I also am a nonprofit consultant. So if I'm showing up to some nonprofit conference as a speaker, I'm not gonna wear my short sleeve shirt with the tattoos hanging out. I'm, and because I'm also talking about money when it comes to fundraising. I've gotta look like somebody who understands that world. And so in that case, I'm probably gonna wear a suit, right? But at the end of the day, no matter what you're wearing, t-shirt or suit or dress or blouse, make sure that whatever you're wearing doesn't distract the listener, from being able to internalize and consume the message. That's really important. And by distracting, I mean, typically just types of uh, T-shirts or or whatever, if there's like a brand with words on it, or it's like a graphic tee with some sort of design on it. You know, maybe this looks cool, but even if I were to get up on stage and I could wear a T-shirt, let's say I I I was gonna do like a live episode of Persuasion School somewhere, And I, and I felt comfortable wearing a t-shirt in front of the audience. I would not wear a graphic tee, something that people are going to be, you know, paying more attention to than the words that I'm saying. And the same thing goes, if I'm wearing a t-shirt with words on it, you know, the audience is just going to be wondering what the words say, and they might be trying to strain their eyes, trying to figure out what it is that the shirt is saying, and then why the shirt is saying that, or same thing if it's a design. So just keep that in mind. I, I try to always wear, I'll wear like a blank tee if I am talking in front of people, with uh, where I can wear a t-shirt or if maybe like it's something slightly more formal I want to wear something just pretty plain for them to be able to just pay attention to my words in the message so food for thought Julian and anybody else that had this question I hope that this was helpful and feel free to reach out if you do have any other questions pertaining to this too but guys that's it If you have a question that you want answered on Monday Q&A, go ahead and send it over a couple ways. You can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. It's at Savage. You can just DM me directly. You can also go to persuasionschoolpodcast.com and drop me a line. I will definitely see that. Same thing goes if you have a topic suggestion as well, or just kind of anything else that you want to learn about persuasionschoolpodcast.com. That is the place to go. All right. Last three quick things that I've been saying on each episode. One We do have a survey live on the website. I know not a lot of people like taking surveys and for fair reasons, but we're just curious to learn more about you, what you like about the show, what you wish was different about the show, because we really do want this to be your favorite podcast. So the survey takes 60 seconds and it's incredibly helpful. If you've got a minute and you're willing to help us, we would definitely appreciate it. Two, ratings and reviews. So here's the deal. I know podcast hosts are always griping about ratings and reviews, subscribe, go rate us, go review us, yada, yada, yada. And I know that that probably gets a little bit of a bit annoying and you're probably listening. You might be listening to a handful of different podcasts. And so are you really going to go rate and review every single podcast after you listen to it? I don't know. Probably not. I don't just to be honest with you, but I will for one that I really, really love that I get value from. So if that's you, If you are somebody that has gotten value from the show, you enjoy listening on a regular basis. Here's why a review is helpful. Not just to boost my ego, because it does. Uh, Let's be real. We're human beings here. But when you review the show or rate the show, the podcast Algorithm Gods, bubble persuasion school on up to the top, which makes it more visible to many more people out there that are searching for podcasts. So if you're somebody that utilized one of these uh, you know, lessons from an episode and you got a raise or you landed the job, which I know there have been many of you that have, or got somebody to go on a date with you, if you want other people to be able to have that same experience that you did, then rating or reviewing the show will actually help more people get what they want because you're going to help the algorithm basically just, like I said, bubble us on up to the top. So that's why I think it's important. It's not arbitrary. It's not just for my ego. There are solid reasons behind why ratings and reviews are helpful. All right. And then third, Alexa and I, I already said this in the beginning of the episode, we are dedicated to fighting the good fight against human trafficking, especially sex trafficking. And it stems back to a six month trip that I had living in Eastern Europe, which I talk about on a Whiskey Wednesday episode. You can find it. I think it's called Jake's Trip to Eastern Europe. And this is what we feel like our life's calling is. So we use this show as a way to generate some awareness, but we also want you guys to get involved. So if you have been hearing about this lately, human trafficking and wanting to make a difference, but you didn't really know how, because there are so many options and ways to give, we wanted to simplify it for you so that you didn't have paralysis by analysis. Like when you go to Cheesecake Factory and the menu is 47 pages long, right? And then you don't end up choosing anything at all. And then you're hungry and you wonder like, why did I even go to this restaurant? I'm literally starving right now. And now I got to go somewhere else, right? To actually get dinner. Because I didn't eat anything here. Menu was too big. Couldn't make a choice. Same thing goes for this, right? Obviously, everybody knows what I'm talking about when you go to Cheesecake Factory. So here's the deal. If you've been wondering how you could help and you haven't made the first move, you can go to persuasionschoolpodcast.com. You can scroll down where it says Jake's Fight and you can donate. And that's a pass-through. 100% of the donations are passed through to our partners, both here in the U.S. and abroad, that are fighting human trafficking, fighting sex trafficking. How do they do that? Usually through preventative methods. So educating the people that are most vulnerable of being trafficked. And it might also include sometimes rescue missions. That's what a lot of people think fighting human trafficking is. That's not always the case. It's largely preventative and educational means. But there are rescue missions that occur. And then next would also be restorative. So that's one thing that my wife is ultimately working on and what she's aiming towards. She's a trauma counselor now. So she loves um, supporting individuals that have gone through that trauma. And that's what she feels like her uh, calling is. And so that's, that's one of the methods of fighting trafficking is through restoration processes. So when you donate, their money is going out to those causes and they're good causes. And you are making a difference and you're making an impact when you give through the website or you can always just buy the t-shirt that i'm wearing in the cover art trust me i'm a salesman it's up for grabs it's available for sale on the site 100% of the profits go towards fighting the good fight i also have trust me i'm a saleswoman on there if you would prefer that one all right that wraps it up for today thank you guys for listening you're all fantastic have a great monday tuesday catch you on wednesday for whiskey wednesday adios